0: Welcome to Fave This, a new show about fandom, internet culture, and video games. I'm your host, Patricia Hernandez, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Vita Jackson.
1: Hey, what's up? This is an international edition of Fave This, because you are on
0: vacation in Scotland. Yes, and the best way that I would describe Scotland or I'm specifically in Edinburgh, did I pronounce that correctly? Yes. Um, it's like Harry Potter, but in real life. And the voice that you guys just heard is none other than Kara Ellison, former journalist slash Kotaku contributor in many other places now game developer who has worked on games like Dishonored 2.
2: Hooray! I'm here! I'm in <laughs> Scotland also. This is my home. Welcome. Uh, and thank you. I'm
1: not there, but thank you for welcoming me anyway.
0: You're also <laughs> welcome you. anytime. <laughs> um, yeah, so both Kara and I have been playing Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Uh, and we both think it's a solid game but I think something struck out to Kara while playing it that I think would make a good discussion topic, uh, namely when men write female characters and how that can be obvious in like characterization or the plot of a thing or the description of a thing. Now, sometimes I feel like there are like very extreme examples of this. Uh, there was a thing that went viral like back in July... Uh, posted by Julia Carpenter on Twitter. She shared a passage written by John Updike, and I'm just going to read this absurdity uh, to you guys. But she was, for the bathroom didn't altogether close, due to the old frame of the house settling over the centuries, and she had to sit on the toilet some minutes waiting for the pee to come. Men, they were always able to conjure up immediately. That was one of their powers— that thunderous splashing as they stood lordly above the bowl everything about them was more direct their insides weren't the mazes that women's were for the pee to find its way through wow <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's what it's like to pee as a woman i don't know if you ladies agree but yeah, it's I definitely like- ba- I, I like to think of my body as a maze where pee can't come out of it
1: Or any Yeah, I definitely have to do, like, a Sudoku puzzle before I can take a piss, like, every time. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really complicated process to get the pee to come out. Like, have you never, like, had drinks with a woman? Like, that's, like, a sign that you've never been to a bar with a girl if you write, like, a a paragraph like that. Because, like, the amount, the volume that women pee when they've been drinking is intense.
0: But also, like, I wonder if what he experienced was, like, women going into the bathroom and, like... I don't know, just... Okay, in modern times, I feel like if someone's taking a long time in the bathroom, I just assume that they're on their phone. I guess they wouldn't have applied then, but I can see how someone trying to date this guy might just, like, go and freak out in the bathroom for a little bit.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, they were, like, on this terrible date with John Updike, and they were just like, my God, I don't know what to do. I'm going to climb out the window, you know,
0: like...
1: (laughs) God... Oh, man, never date male writers. I have a whole list, honestly, of just genres of men that not comedians. I'm sorry, any comedians that are out there, but your whole shtick is that you're damaged. So it's just a really good sign to not. Yeah, did you
0: see that tweet by um, uh, Kevin Hart's ex-wife? She was was, like angrily being like, you know, I've kept our – our relationship, like, kind of on the, not on the down low, but she she wasn't airing out Dirty Laundry, and she was like, but I don't understand why everyone is just okay with him, like, just talking about our marriage endlessly. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a thing.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I was thinking the other day, like, the, the lead singer in a band I liked was kind of cute, and then I listened to the lyrics to the songs, and I was like, oh, all these songs are about how you ruined a relationship through your alcohol problem. So maybe I should pay attention to what you're saying. Like, just killed the crush for me. It's um, very real. And then, you know, this is sort of getting very away from the topic, but it is sort of like the... um, There's like a certain kind of masculinity that comes especially to, like, literary fiction when men are trying to describe women, where they ascribe their own uh, ideas about how women are that are just have no basis in fact whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And it's just written in a—it's written with such a confidence that I'm almost jealous of like the ability to be that confident about something you're just totally making up on the fly. hmm
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But it's also not always that extreme. Like, even though I started out with that passage, I don't want to make it sound like anything in Uncharted I don't think is any is is like that. How how would you describe what what you saw, Kara? That that uh, piqued your interest.
2: I mean, what, what is interesting about The Lost Legacy is that the I think fundamentally, uh, due to social conditioning, I think that men and women just have um, different ways of being friends with each other. Hmm. I think a male-to-male friendship is very, very different to uh, like two women being friends, for mm-hmm. example. And I think that there are a couple of things that I think immediately stood out to me is very, they're super minor things. Um, but I think that women, uh, uh, be, are very become very intimate with each other as friends very very quickly, especially if there's trauma involved. Hmm. I think I think early on in women's friendships, if you've experienced like a bad thing together, you'd immediately start talking about that bad thing together, and then that would actually be like a main um, point of your feeling close to the other person. Hmm. Um, whereas I think that um, men men tend to actually be quite standoffish for a little bit longer. But I mean, I don't know if that's your experience or I just—it's just me.
0: I mean, it, it can depend on the relationship, but I think in this specific case, what you noticed was that the way in which uh, Nadine and Chloe, who are who were characters in in previous Uncharted games, were were friends with each other in a way that didn't quite make sense. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't how would very- you just? So can you like for? People who might have not played Uncharted: Lost Legacy, do you want to explain what, what you mean or what the setup?
2: Yeah, for this one? I mean, Chloe's just kind of like a bit like Drake's kind of counterpart. She's always painted as a kind of the bad girl to the other, the other kind of blonde woman who's, who's always quite a, a, a good girl character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that um, I think that Chloe uh, is kind of like a thief character. Who's a little bit more like shady and underhand um, mm-hmm. than like most of the other characters in the games, and um, she's always a bit more kind of cheeky. And Nadine is a mercenary mm-hmm. character. Um, I think she's from South Africa, is that right? Um mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, so like she's a li- she's actually like very kind of tough muscly lady like very serious doesn't take any shit from anyone mm-hmm. oh, can I say shit
0: yeah that's okay, <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> and so like they're I feel like they they obviously have a professional relationship but also I feel like women, particularly women who work in male-dominated businesses, tend to get closer much quicker because they have a lot more to take on in that kind of area. And it didn't didn't really make much sense that they were very, they were kind of, they felt very strange from each other. Hmm. And I expected there to be somewhere in the first act, a major cut scene in which they talked about like their past or they talked about their particular situation more extensively and it's like probably about 50%, 75% into the game where they actually start talking at length about how they feel about stuff and women Mm -hmm. would start earlier is my hunch. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean in games journalism I've absolutely found that like as soon as I meet another woman we start talking about all the shit that's happened to us. Um, in this industry like it's a thing that's an immediate point of bonding because almost all of us have these kinds of experiences we want to be able to I mean at least it's important to me to like support other women in the industry and to know that we've all feel these things that they're not made up that they're real feelings
2: mm-hmm. exactly and I, I felt like that that point of like I think that women always try to um undertake care, generally speaking, for other people. They try to find a reference point. They find, they try to find a similarity in the other person in order to ha- have that kind of bonding experience. And there was very, very little of that in this game, well, and that's I guess,
1: what... what so that well, they have stuff to- in common, too. Like the, the, the reason why they're in a game together is because they've both dealt with Nathan Drake. Like, yeah. I feel like if I was either Nadine or Chloe, the first
0: thing I would say to this person is just like, "Hey, remember that fuckboy <laughs> we both had to like deal with? Well, remember so, that guy?" So you and I were what talking about this uh, how they do mention Nathan Drake, but it's like it's like almost like a passing line, and I feel like if this were real life we would be making fun of Nathan Drake so much more. We exactly. Would have... <laughs> he would
2: actually be, like, humiliated by the shit that we would say about him behind his back. Like, I mean, I genuinely feel like, I mean, I think loads of people would be like, oh, Kara was, was in that situation. She'd make a ton of sex jokes about her or whatever. But I genuinely feel like I I, I think that they were afraid of doing that Bechdel test thing where they're like, oh, these two, two women get together and talk about a man all the time. But right. that's, that's not necessary. You just All you need to do is acknowledge that the big elephant in the room is Nathan Drake-shaped. Mm-hmm. You know? Like,
1: yeah. Right. Yeah, I-, I mean, also, like, the Bexell task has this, like, become this thing that's very frustrating for me. Like, It's not actually a hard and fast rule of what makes a, a piece of work feminist or unfeminist. It's just something that—it's a, it's a really disappointing fact about a lot of media. You know, like it's not like something you need to pass in order to be a good piece of feminist art. Uh, but it is something that you should pay attention to. That doesn't mean that women should never talk about men mm-hmm. in their lives. I like, mean, it wouldn't make sense in this game for these two women to talk about a man they both know. Exactly. It, it, it's
2: unavoidable to talk about men in, in life. You have to because they're this massive obstacle a lot of the time. <laughs> You're like, God, why won't he get out of the way? <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, no, I definitely feel like they needed to actually talk a little bit more about their commonalities, because mm. that's how women try to get other women to um, relate to them, is to be like, here are the things that we have in common. Isn't it, like, funny, or isn't it
0: sad, or, like, you know? And- they were, they, uh, yeah, I mean, I noticed this weird kind of standoffishness to the degree, at the start, I should say. Uh, that I didn't quite understand why they were working with one another because it seemed like Nadine just didn't trust Chloe at all and I'm just like well why are you going on this like super dangerous adventure with this woman when like the story tries to present her as like duplicitous we don't know if we should trust her like one of the first uh, big scenes is when uh, Chloe is kind of trying to talk her way into the good graces of, of the villain and then the tension becomes between between them that like oh you were just going to betray me, but I just I didn't un, I didn't understand a lot of that tension. Just felt hollow to me because I I feel like I would not go on an extremely dangerous adventure in which I might be killed and like not know that I can trust my partner to like back me up on this thing.
1: Yeah, I feel like women don't take a lot of risks with friendships. Also, like part no. of the reason why like, I try to find common commonalities with between women is because I know. Like in a lot of social situations, the only people I can rely on are the women I have very close friendships with. So I I wouldn't do something where I needed to trust someone unless I absolutely did trust them absolutely. You know. Yeah,
2: and I I often feel like women have a better kind of red flag system for a social situation that's just going to go wrong. Like I think that a lot of us have been in in pretty bad social situations where we're like, these are all the red flags for reasons that I I shouldn't go there and do that with that person. And I feel like, I don't know, for whatever reason, if you don't trust someone uh, to work with them, like, I don't know, it's it's difficult because I, I feel like I would definitely not take on a job, at least now that I'm like past 30, I would not take on a job with someone who I thought I would have to work with in a very risky
0: situation
2: and like not be able to rely on them.
0: I think think also just their decision to play up Chloe's, uh, I don't know, duplicitousness. Uh, I know that it's in line with her prior characterization, but her prior characterization was also from the point of view of Nathan Drake. And so for them to also just kind of be like, no, she's actually just like that. Kind of felt like it was falling yeah. in that trap of like, you don't know if and you can trust women, like they'll lie to you or whatever it is. Yeah. You know?
1: And in the situation with Nathan Drake, like he was also being duplicitous to her quite mm-hmm. frequently, especially, you know, he was like kind of sort of seeing someone else while he was seeing her at the same time. Right. Like not, you know, everything's going to be colored by his own rationalization of his actions. So, I mean, a part of this I think comes from there's a lot of media for women. Um, especially pop, pop media for women uh, is about female friendships, and so often the tension they create, the drama that arises in those kinds of shows comes from women not trusting each other or women betraying each other right. and I think that's something something a lot of people believe about women men and women yeah, that female friendships are based on conflict. When that's just never been
2: the case for me in life. Yeah, we only really like uh, undertake friendships when we do have like a genuine interest in in the other person and the other person's well being a lot of the time, I think. And I also, what's interesting to me is that, uh, like, usually I think men think that um, they're the most important
0: thing to do with women ever like women think about men all the time blah 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 but what which is why so many stories are about women fighting over a man exactly but what's really interesting is that nadine and chloe came
2: together generally because they don't really like nathan drake and that's interesting cuz neither of them want him. Mm-hmm. Like that's an interesting thing to me is that neither of them really give that much of a shit about Nathan Drake. They just end up having to like be around him all the time. And that's mm-hmm. actually kind of a fun um way for a story a fun perspective for a story because like he's not even in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fun. Um obviously it wouldn't I wouldn't consider writing that
0: around Nathan Drake no, at all, no. but I
2: think that it's an interesting kind of conversation for them.
0: I wonder of. if, yeah, I wonder if they thought about this. I'm sure they did, but I wonder if they didn't go more that route because, like, Nathan Drake is supposed to be their golden boy, so it would be feel weird for them to suddenly just kind of be, like, shitting on him. But also, okay, so... I
2: think so. I think that's why they made that decision, is because they don't want to ruin that brand or whatever. Right.
1: okay <laughs> a fuckboy like just even (laughs) from canon he's a complete fuckboy he's like the guy that you warn your female friends about he's very charming but don't trust him at all just like Mm -hmm. not even for a minute because he will fuck you over but that's just who we is.
2: i i feel like i mean i don't i just disclaimer like any any friend male friends of mine who are listening I, i don't mean you uh, but i am friends with a lot of fuckboys i would say and i my genuine feeling is that you can be fond of someone but know that they have bad sides to them right. yeah, you know yeah, yeah. like i wouldn't stay friends with a man who like really abuses women or anything but i also kind of feel like some some men know their flaws and are actively trying to, like, change them, but it doesn't mean that, like, ultimately they're perfect, because neither are we.
0: Right, and I mean, the games are kind of, or become kind of about Nathan's flaws in some ways, right? Like, 4 is about his relationship with Lena and, like, him trying to lead a boring lifestyle while still pining for adventure in the mm-hmm. ways in which he lies to himself, but that I feel like those flaws feel more like... They don't, they don't feel quite as like petty, I guess, which is probably why they felt more comfortable going there. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think it's actually... For me, um, as someone who is a narrative designer for work, I think the biggest fear that we have is that we will be able to have time to make the characters complex. Mm-hmm. And that's why they end up in games like... That's why characters end up so like two-dimensional is because we fear that like all of the writing and like all of the complexity that we're going to be putting into these characters were that is going to be taken away from us by like someone's going to delete a level mm-hmm. and that'll be like all your dialogue gone mm-hmm. and there's this real fear of like what if we have to cut the budget or the voiceover budget or something and i won't have room to like put in like all of these character flaws plus all the counterbalances at the same time. And I think that's a real concern for us. And that's why we often end up chickening out and just being like, Nathan, Drake is happy-go-lucky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so the fact they've made room for that is kind of really interesting to me.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it also just kind of depends on genre, right? Like Certain genres have more room to flesh out their characters. Like in a game for Dishonored, for example, it's not just... The dialogue you can find uh, stuff that like fleshes out the world. You have the heart that you can like point at things and it'll tell you more about the world. Versus an action game like Uncharted, like I'm not trying to say that it's impossible to to flesh out Nathan Drake more, but at least in the way that they've constructed it, um, I feel like the chances to flesh him out are, are more limited. And they have introduced some of those like more slower paced a segment between all the shooting like at the start of four you go through uh nathan's house and uh you look at his uh attic and you can like shoot darts and like you can do all these like kind of mundane things that are really interesting and tell you more about the character but it's weird because those are always the moments that stand out the most to me and the ones that i always remember the most but it's just like padded out by all of this shooting like i feel like they they i don't know if they feel like they have to do all those other like more actiony segments uh and maybe i'm dismissing them because uh like maybe i only gain meaning from the from the more quieter moments because i had to go through all that action i don't know cuz i i haven't had a chance to just play like a, a, ga- a game well, of like that that's only the quieter moments
2: There was, so that part with where Nathan Drake is is excavating his own past in the attic, like that is narrative design. Right. That's systemic. Like you look at gameplay and you're like, how can we tell a story through the Mm -hmm. action, through the verbs Mm -hmm. part of this game? And that obviously takes a little bit more budget because what you're doing is you're also like, I mean, it's actually right. You, you can't don't, like
0: reuse the attic in a bu- in another s- sequence. Exactly. Really. Like, so it's
2: environmental. You need to like get the level designers and the artists to be able to put a little bit of time aside for it. So it's like a budget issue, but also they were very clever in that particular scene because they didn't have to redesign the um, the combat system because right. they had like a a water pistol, wasn't mm-hmm. it, or something like that, yeah. or a dart gun. And so, essentially, that's kind of interesting, because they did, they did look at those constraints and go, like, how can we make something fun and interesting, but also say something about who he is as a character? And they didn't really have time or, or maybe even budget, I think, to do that in Lost Legacy because they, that would require that they kind of design around who Nadine and Chloe are. And that, that was what was missing in that. Mm-hmm. I feel like they really needed like a way to use the action verbs to then describe who they are as people. Mm-hmm. Um, and all they had was this kind of stuff that was, very like oh my chloe Chloe talks about oh, my father wanted to find this thing mm-hmm. or or whatever, and I think that I don't know it just is so so cliche at this point, so overtrodden that it's not it's not gonna work very well
0: I mean they did have that that segment near the start that was like more quieter and mundane when she's like walking through this market and talking to this girl um but I think that was like. I, I have not finished the game, but I'm, like, what, like, 80% through it. And it feels like those moments are, like, few and far between.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think,
0: yeah. It's not like that. I, I didn't know how to feel about some of those quieter moments because it's, like, um, when she's sneaking around and when the guy kind of, like, feels her up or whatever to, like, before she can go through the... um. There's like a, there's like a, some guys are guarding a door. Yeah. um, And then when she like lockpicks, it all, it just all felt to me like, oh, those are things and situations in which a woman would stare, like, I can't see the, I can't see, for example, Nathan Drake having to walk through just a bunch of burly men and then having them kind of like feel him up and like feel the same sort of tension so that w- felt more like specific to um her being a woman but not in a way like not in a way that I I liked I guess uh, yeah uh, like, it
2: wasn't particularly pleasant was it yeah but then, and, I, and I'm
0: sure that was kind of the point but it's like yeah. I feel like I just I have those tensions in real life all the time and I feel like Nathan Drake gets to be the, the hero and he's never put in this position that, like, makes him feel less than? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I mean, Nathan Drake wouldn't be
2: threatened with sexual assault. Right, like, that's, that's right. Not. Yes,
0: yes. So, like, the, the tension, like, even if we can say that it's, like, that that is true to our experience, I feel like men would never be put in, into that position.
1: I think this is something that games struggle with a lot in terms of how to communicate uh, when a woman is in danger without being leering or the, the situation feeling sexualized. Like even mm-hmm. when they aren't intending to, like women know in life that sexual assault is like a threat that happens when violence is on the table as well. So it's hard to. Um, I remember there's like one scene with Laura Croft in the Laura Croft reboot that people were really upset by because. Seem like there is an implied an implied threat of sexual assault if you failed this like a quick time event, which I made me feel super gross. Um, but I I know that like it's just difficult because of how the world it is to not have those themes come up when a woman is in danger or in a aver- a vulnerable position where physical violence is something that could happen to her.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because I feel like it is it is part of my world experience. I do avoid situations where I think that that might be something that could happen to me. Or, you know, like I am wary about walking down a very dark street that isn't lit well. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, like I I feel like uh, at least Lost Legacy had a lot of moments where, you know, um, what was really interesting was the fact that you could climb all over Nadine and and Nadine would catch you a lot if you Mm -hmm. fell. And like, you could rely on her to be there if you opened fire on someone, for example. Like those are all cool things because in that situation I feel like women would be there for each other, but it's not particularly different from the way that they had programmed, say, Drake and his brother. So um so yeah, like it would have been nice if there were, were like more so for example, I actually feel that uh generally speaking, women women are slightly better negotiators. Because of that sexual assault thing, we're actually quite good at uh, de-escalating situations mm, and yeah. being better at being able to talk people down from stuff. And I actually think that that could create incredibly like good narrative puzzles. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, there's a, a moment where everyone is in this like room with the the, the horn or whatever mm-hmm. that they're the looking tusk. for the tusk that they're looking for, and um and. Uh, I spoil spo- spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I guess S- spoiler
0: alert. I, I guess. mean, spoilers. <laughs> the tusk is found. That is, uh, it's kind of like the point of the game. But, but yeah, also, okay, there's so a twist in which a character. I do want to talk about this twist, but let let's not mention him. Specific- well, okay, never mind. It's just, okay. okay. I'll just go
2: ahead with it. <laughs> okay. Ca- okay, so there's a spoiler here. So basically. Uh, Sam Drake turns up in the game, right? And he's actually like the world's biggest third wheel. Like, it's actually kind of pointless that he's there. He's like... I just, don't
0: understand why they did this. I hate that they
2: did this. He's just ec- extra meat in the sandwich you didn't need, right? Yeah. Uh, and so he he turns up and is just like the world's biggest third wheel and it's kind of weird that he's even there. Um, it's like your brother turns up like, when, you, when you're on a date with a girl or something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, hi, um, what are we gonna do now? <laughs> um, so, anyway, they're all in this uh, big room with the tusk, and it's because the bad guys turned up and then, like, captured them all with his men. And the idea is that you have to solve the puzzle with them all in the room, and they don't really use that because it's literally just that you're solving a puzzle.
0: A literal, very traditional puzzle. Traditional, right
2: uncharted puzzle where you have to like move the pieces around and then like unlock a thing. Um, and so it, they really didn't use the fact they were like, two other very well-known characters in the room and all of the bad guys. and Like, what all with
0: different motivations? All uh, with different
2: motivations, all with, like, other, like, kind of uh, agendas under their sleeve. And they really could have, like, used that to actually make a narrative puzzle where, like, you could undertake an action that would change someone's mind or you could undertake, like... Or you could have, like, a dialogue system where you kind of try to, like talk someone into something or mm-hmm. get someone else to do something or make a secret signal so they might all like start to kill each like <laughs> kill all the bad guys or whatever and I, I don't know I, I just felt like what the, there's all these narrative resources there and mm-hmm. they just never used any of them
0: yeah it's it's weird though because I feel like you often don't even people often don't think about like social relationships as being a thing uh like a potential mechanic like we see it more in like rpgs where it's like you're trying to talk someone into something but in other genres i feel like that's not used to the same degree where like you know that people have certain relationships with one another and if you were in real life you might try to like finagle that or like use that to your advantage in, in some way but here it's like no this is a video game so the puzzle that you have is a literal puzzle, not, like, humans are, like, it's, it's almost, like, too complex. Um, but I also want, okay, so I want to I'll go back for a second about this twist with Sam. So, again, spoilers, but, like, I don't know, halfway through the game or, like, 60% through the game, Sam just shows up to help you on your adventure. Uh And I'm just really curious why they did that, because, like, A... I never thought that Sam was a very interesting character no. in in 4. So, like, I didn't understand what purpose he served other than to cynically, it just seemed like, oh, this is an Uncharted game. We need one of the Uncharted boys uh, like, in Like, if an
1: Uncharted boy is going to show up, I'd rather it be Sully.
0: Like, I, oh, my I, God, I, yes.
1: It would be, like, a thousand times better. I love him so much.
2: Me too. And I just, like, I know everyone thinks this is, like, Horrible, but I genuinely want a a, a romance between yes. Nathan and Scully. I, I mean, <laughs> Sully. but I, because I, I I just that excites me. I think they're really cute.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would, have, it would have been made for an interesting tension because, like, at some point in four, you uh, so when the jig is up and Elena finds out that Nathan has actually gone on in this adventure, they're back at a hotel or something, and she runs off because she's pissed at him, rightly so. Because he lied to her. And then Sully's like, you should go talk to her, man. Like, this this adventure isn't worth, like, you ruining your marriage. And he just snaps at Sully and he's like, you go after her. And it's, Sully's just, I, I get the impression that Sully's kind of put into the em- emotional caretaker role of Drake. Like, because he's kind of like that father figure. So I feel yeah. like that alone would have given him so many interesting interactions with these uh Prior woman in uh Yeah, he's Lincoln's like
1: life. Uh, like you know, not like the, the way Twitter says daddy, but like an actual like father figure guy. He is mm-hmm. kind of daddy. But <laughs> yeah, like he's he... also like he's very much he's the adult in these stories altogether. He's not gonna tell Drake what to do, but he does really see him as a as someone he nurtures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've I've experienced in my life those kinds of mentor figures will also, you know, we'll reach out and do that for whatever young person is sort of in their in their general purview. Mm-hmm. I would love to see, you know, sort of in Sully arriving with these two women and trying to keep them from harm in a sort of nurturing fatherly way.
2: Yeah, and I, I also feel like, they, you know, if you wanted to put in, um, I think that I want to see more, if if, they're, if the narrative in Uncharted is centered is Ryan's men in other DLC I would like to see more of like the idea that men can actually look after each other because that's the best like part of Sully is that he is he undertakes that care for for Nathan and I think that that's a really nice relationship that men never get to see in games is actually two men who genuinely are trying to take care of each other and like listen to each other and like, kind of, I don't know, like, there's never any outlet for actual emotional feelings in games for men. Mm-hmm. It's only aggression. And I think that ob- seeing other kind of emotional relationships between men are, like, way more important than just the aggression thing. Um, so I think that's super interesting that you kind of highlighted that he's like a father figure in that way, because, yeah, that was the most, Im- most important kind of exchange, I think, in on
1: uh, chapter 4. He's a father figure, but he's also just like, he knows that he's not Drake's actual dad, which sort of puts him in this really interesting position in the games so where he's like never, he it sometimes encourages some of Drake's like worst qualities because he's not his fucking dad. Yeah. But he also, when Drake is like actually about to fuck his life up in a real way, he will be like, hey, like, don't do this. I'm like older than you and I know that you shouldn't do this, which is a really interesting dynamic that I know I've seen in life and would like to see you reflected more in media it's a sort of liminal space between being an actual father figure and or just a general mentor i feel like like mentorship is like a very important part of life and i find it frustrating how it's just not reflected in media very well
2: yeah yeah and also you know if he turned up in lost legacy he could have given everyone cigars at the end I mean, I haven't played till the end of it yet. Um, I'm really near the maybe end. Maybe he does. Maybe yeah. he does. Maybe he turns Sounds up with great. cigars. Let's just write that in. That's what actually happens. <laughs>
1: That's my headcanon now. I actually wrote, uh, like, maybe two years ago on Twitter, I wrote just, like, an incredibly long Twitter thread about the fan I have about Sully and Lana Del Rey meeting and falling in love.
2: Oh my god, they'd be perfect for each other. <laughs> perfect. He
1: just, like, stops in LA every time he comes back from doing, like, an, intent, like, an incredibly glamorous heist and, like, they drive around in the middle of the night we smoke cigars in this convertible, and she looks wistfully at the ocean.
2: That's perfect. That's absolutely yep. perfect. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, Nathan just needs to put a wig on and do that. <laughs> I feel like, but yeah, I I should say like I'm I'm quite good friends with Josh Sure, who did some writing on this on this game that we're discussing, and I feel kind of guilty like. Critiquing him without him really <laughs> knowing, so like I actually think you did a super good job, Josh, on um a lot of the dialogue. Uh, I think that I I like the game in general. I think it's a super solid game, and I really am
0: enjoying it so far. Anyway. yeah, I
1: mean it's a, it's, it's a story about two women of color, exactly, in a video game
0: which you don't often see. Yeah, I mean yeah. I feel like want to make it clear that we're not saying like the game is bad or like problematic it's just that as women when you're playing something like this you like notice like would a woman actually say that because often again it just kind of felt like two bros uh having a a relationship with one another you know
2: how we were saying earlier that um that it's it's very rare to see like to see women characters actually get to enjoy themselves in the way that nathan drake enjoys himself Mm -hmm. when he's he's adventuring or whatever like it's actually really really rare to see uh, women be able to make jokes and like you know fuck around and like actually have like a kind of like really carefree time and it would have also been the cherry on the top for me if they'd been funnier and like a little bit more carefree in some of the things that they were doing like actually really visibly and audibly enjoying themselves that would have actually been much better for me I think
0: I mean they yeah. they do have moments where they connect with one another, but
2: they're supposed to be profound moments though, and I think that it, it it would be nicer if they were just like, God, isn't this like a great time? Like, Mm-mm. I don't know.
0: And also just I, I think it was partially ruined for me because the profound moments at least the ones that i played through are like them seeing animals and i felt like that was what they did in the last of us so i was just like animal shorthand for emotional connection i guess it's
2: like outsourcing emotions to animals yeah like that's a kind of an odd trope to create i think (laughs) but yeah sorry get what you were what were you gonna
1: say Oh, no, it just sort of reminded me of uh, Kirk uh, did this post about how, or I think it was just most of his review, it's like how great that photo mode is, because you can change everyone's expressions all the time. Mm-hmm. So he just made uh, Chloe like wink in literally every photo he took. <laughs> and it was just sort of like, it gives this impression of the game that's like different than it actually is. Though, because Chloe is actually like a very fun character. She's like the yeah. fun girl you go out for drinks with. Um, you see her once a month, you have an insane time and you have the worst hangover of your life but you don't regret it at all and you know, it's sad that it's just not reflected in the game she is the kind of person that would be taking pictures of everything and winking in every single photo so
2: yeah,
1: it it gives you sort of an opportunity to have a presentation of the game that's not actually what the game is, but it's sort of, you know, I love the games wanna tell profound stories where they make you feel real feelings for realsies, but I also like joy is something that's so valuable in my entertainment at this point in my life. I'm I'm older now. I'm now in my late twenties instead of my mid twenties. And I would like I like it when things make me laugh out loud. Yeah. You know, when the wonder comes from actually feeling true happiness because I am interacting with something.
2: Yeah, and like these days especially I feel like especially because I feel my my responsibility of, as a creator has increased. Like I I genuinely feel like it's actually more useful to try to give people fuel to go on and live their lives in a in a an, an energetic fashion and a lot of my energy comes from consuming media that is ridiculously happy, that is joyful, that celebrates the good things about life because that gives me fuel to go out and face the things that need to be changed, that aren't so great. You know, I I feel like there's more of a responsibility these days to create joy in the things that I... Like, very like safe joy as well. Nothing Mm -hmm. that actually requires that anyone is hurt in any way because I feel like we need fuel to actually go out in the world and do the important stuff.
0: Yeah, and so thinking about this mechanically... I'd almost forgotten this was a thing. Uh, when you say that Nathan kind of has fun in his adventures, the ways in which this is often communicated is like he will just not stop making quips about how much fun he's having to the degree that I found found it annoying. Even though I know yeah. it's supposed to make him like, uh, I don't know, likable, relatable. But I feel like relatable, and and Chloe doesn't really. I'm sure she has lines, but it. It was never to the same degree in which I literally got annoyed by, like, how much punch he's having or whatever. Also,
2: like, outside of the company of men, I am funnier. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say, I, I feel more comfortable making jokes when there are no men around because I feel like they like a lot of the time you're asked to be less of yourself uh, mm-hmm. when men are around right, because you feel like you're encroaching on their space or I don't know. I feel like I have to make more room for men. Mm-hmm. You when have I'm to laughing. laugh
0: harder at their jokes.
2: Exactly. I have yeah. to make sure that like they're having a good time. And that's yes. probably due to my oppressive heterosexuality. But um, <laughs> I genuinely feel like I, I, I think that Chloe would be a different person around Nadine than she is around Nathan Drake.
1: Um, Kara, I think you're our first hetero guest, so congratulations! Yay!
2: <laughs> Do you know what? I am always the, the straight person, the only straight person in the room these days, and oh, like man. I don't know, I've just started to realize, wow, I've become, uh, yeah. I've made myself a minority, the, the
0: token hetero <laughs> token.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: I well, we're both accursed with the affliction of being attracted to men, so it's like still fine, but yeah, know, yeah, you are, you are a token too. It's just I just like remember. I get to justify my jokes to men a lot more, especially if my jokes are a little bit naughty or a little bit dirty or about sex. You I remember it was like with uh my now boyfriend and some of his friends, and I think the prompt was something like uh alternate names for the Grand Canyon and I wrote without thinking about it at all. I just wrote pussy <laughs> and they, it's hilarious or right? I should have won that round Can explain my joke? for like 15 minutes and they're like why is
2: that funny it's not funny just to write pussy and i'm like well it is hilarious and i'm sorry don't get it if you ever make a a dick joke around men you end up apologizing for three days because they 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 never forget and they they also like i don't know there's a weird thing as well Once you open that box they think that they can sleep with you if you've made a sex joke they're like wow she's on the cards now uh what a (laughs) slut (laughs) Uh, but it's not true. It's like no, I just I wanted to make a joke. That's 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 pretty much what I wanted to do here is just make a joke. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think that probably some people have a a less uh, a less let's let's say a, le- a less rude sense of humor than mm-hmm. I do. But yeah, I I just feel like I have to I, I have to make room for for men in the room. And if you don't have to make room, well, imagine if you never had to make room for men in your life ever again, you'd have, like, such a great time because there's less of a...
0: In in Uncharted, I feel like the sense that you get in playing it, Uncharted, Lost Legacy, to be clear, is that the way in which Nadine and Chloe talk to each other, it still feels like there's a guy in the room, even though there is not a guy in the room. Yeah,
2: there's a sense that they're being watched, which they are. Right. The the assumed player is probably still male in Lost Legacy. And that, that's that's definitely something that I think that happens with, um, with Tomb Raider or any game where, like, any game where there's a, a main character who's a woman, mm-hmm. in games it's still assumed that the player is male and that she has to behave herself.
0: Right. She has to behave
2: herself for the male viewer, basically. Um, and I guess it's like... You know, they put out that Tomb Raider poster recently for the film mm-hmm. where they yeah. wanted to have both her butt and her face <laughs> in view. And they yeah, were like, so we're, this, yeah, this, just... a, this is a big a big dilemma for us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that poster. One, because, you know, it was a little bit unbelievable when Laura Craft was, uh, Angelina Jolie was Laura Craft because Angelina Jolie is a very, very, very skinny woman. But at least Angelina Jolie has this look like she's, Thinks that you're a joke, which is always something I, I I enjoy that like <laughs> about Laura. It's that you know she's objectified for sure, but the part of her character is just like knowing that she's hot and not caring very much about it, <laughs> which I really like. Um, with Alicia candor, it was it struck me so much in that trailer how skinny she is and how I don't believe for one second that she would survive a day in the wilderness. <laughs> like yeah, all. yeah yeah and like she's a tiny 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 woman you know like, like that's not a problem necessarily but it's like a, it's more important that this character be played by someone who's skinny than be played believably is, I guess, the priority there.
2: and i guess and that's what i really liked about nadine is that you can see the veins popping out of her arms <laughs> like you can see that she could brutalize <laughs> you to death because she's so powerful and that's really like i really thought that was great like i love nadine so much She's very, she's very dry sense of humor yeah. and like very kind of, you know, what the hell are you doing kind of type of person. I guess maybe that's probably part part of the problem uh, with Lost Legacy, not having like a super happy-go-lucky sense of humor is that both of them are quite solstice women. So I understand why they try to write them kind of quite, in quite a dry way, but um, I don't know, I, I would just would have preferred if they'd had like a fucking whale of a time, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I want to see them on a cruise. Yeah. Like, let's let them, let them do the thing. You know, the that scene that's so fun in Uncharted 4 where um, Drake and Sully are at that ball and they have to, you know, do a heist in tuxedos. So like, let them do that. Let them do yeah. an evening where they at heists. Like, I, yeah, love, that would be great. I love that. I love that.
2: Yeah, I love the idea that you're you in a tense situation and that you might be like role playing or something I like I, I mean that's probably mainly because I'm a humongous James Bond fan like I like the mm-hmm. idea that you might be in these exotic locations undertaking these performance roles all, almost mm-hmm. um, but yeah like mm-hmm. in general I really enjoyed it simply because um, and also because they you know a lot of it was actually um, quite close to Chloe personally that was an interesting mm-hmm. kind of uh, tact take um, India obviously the, it like, can we talk about how beautiful it was? It's mm-hmm. a really beautiful game. Uh, the water, in particular, is so beautiful.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, Naughty Dog knows what the
2: fuck they're doing. They, they really <laughs> they do. They just
1: like really do.
2: Yeah, they're they're wonderful at that. I guess I just I I wonder if they could do more in the narrative stakes in terms mm-hmm. of like you you've got a lot more room there if you've already got like you Already got a like, structure for a game like Uncharted and you're making DLC for it, mm-hmm. you can afford to try and innovate in the narrative stakes some way if you've already got a lot of this done.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, to be fair to this, it was kind of, uh, you know, a standalone made. for a, a game. Like, the main attraction is Uncharted for itself. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm really curious though uh, if we will see some of these things pop up in The Last of Us 2 which so far it seems like it's mostly going to be Ellie and I'm wondering to what degree it'll be obvious that it's a that it's like a room of men writing a teenage girl yeah yeah definitely yeah. I guess we'll see I always
1: I always worry you know I always worry because it's so hard it's so hard to write that stage of life in general but if you uh, haven't had the particular problems that uh, happen to women when they go through puberty it's much more difficult Mm -hmm. to be able to write write those down and express them in a way that's
0: not cloying
1: or saccharine or obnoxious or not true
0: so okay so i'm sure there are probably listeners now that are like So what are you guys saying? Are you saying that you can't write outside of your experience? And I guess something that I want to make clear is that I feel like as women, you are often asked to like hyper consider how men are to make them feel comfortable, which I think probably gives people like a little bit more insight into like, obviously it's not going to be the same as having the experience, but I feel like as evidenced by that ridiculous passage, I feel like oftentimes uh, women's experiences are just fucking (coughs) baffling and like unknowable to a lot of men yeah, as ex-
2: well but yeah. also you have to remember that we all go to school where the accepted literary canon is just 50 books by dudes mm-hmm. like 50 books by men like we start off with like chaucer and shakespeare and then go all the way through to like you know um i don't know the books that, books that are still like Burroughs or, you know, like the beat poets, all of that stuff, like we're only reading men's experience of women all the way through all of those things. Mm-hmm. And I think that it actually, it, it's very informative for women to know what men think but it's also like men do never ever hardly are ever exposed to the way that women think about anything Mm -hmm. especially in literature yeah
1: have you ever i mean i've had this experience throughout my life trying to explain to men who are not familiar with jane Austen that she's actually very funny is always a really weird thing to do because it's just something that i know when i read those books pride and prejudice is a hilarious hilarious it's so funny and if you give it a if from the first page onward the first sentence is a joke it's great it's, it's joke, hilarious yeah it's just you know it's girl shit is, uh, has always been maligned but if you actually read it you end up learning really valuable things about how women see themselves in the world like my favorite example is like clueless which is another adaptation of an austin work it's about to like a group of women who aren't, you know, maybe not the smartest uh, and very, very superficial and incredibly privileged, but it shows just even these women that are the most maligned out of all women have valuable insights and thoughts and we should treat them with some kind of respect.
2: Yeah, I mean, I also feel like when you say that Jane Austen uh, is very, very funny, she's also, a lot of the time she's funny without actually uh, making fun of anyone. She's she's, like yeah. very, she's extremely kind and a lot of her observations of people are really, really insightful and interesting and there's like a lot there. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like Jane Austen is, is one of those writers that men will be like, ew, Jane Austen, but actually I, I, I'm so, I laugh constantly when I read Pride and Prejudice and I think it's, it's weird that men think that women aren't funny. It's just <laughs> so weird. It's weird
1: to me, yeah. Yeah, like the thing about Pride and Prejudice is she always is quietly making fun of Mr. Bingley for being like overly eager towards Jane, but he it's in a, such a loving way. Like she loves these characters, even um, Lady Catherine de Bourgh, who is like a horrible, horrible woman. In the way that she is lightly mocked by uh, Elizabeth Bennet in that book is is um it's just true. I mean, if Elizabeth, seeing, Elizabeth
2: wanted cool. to take Catherine de Bourgh. Apart, she could because she's very smart, but she doesn't ever. She doesn't. She doesn't go there. She's kind of holds back a lot. And um, yeah, I, I. I don't know. I, I. I just have this like kind of weird feeling that I. I kind of feel like there's this sort of separation of these two when there doesn't really necessarily need to be. There's like men read this and women read this, and that's the way things are. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I think you, it's having
0: a. Yeah, yeah I mean. And I also don't want to make it sound like, oh, women can write men just because of how they are, but I do want to say that you can write outside of your experience, but it actually requires like putting some effort into it. You can't just like do it often right I think lots, yeah. Of, yeah. lots of men, do the work lots of men but, can you know, write,
1: said that thing that's like every writer has at the disposal the wonderful resource of talking to women yeah. And <laughs> like,
2: yeah, it's not yeah lots of women, lots of men write incredibly great women characters, like if you ever read Ghost World, um, all of that is my experience of being a teen girl who's disaffected. Like, Daniel Claus is very good at writing women, I think. And, you know, there's no, there's no sense that, I think there's also this kind of weird idea that, um, like, if you're writing outside of your experience, then you can't discuss hardship you can you just have to be in contact with people who actually do have those experiences Mm -hmm. so yeah consult people
0: basically yes don't just assume that like your experience is translatable to like anyone else it might be like there might be things that you have in common but it's better to make sure um okay so i think we've talked about this plenty we got a uh some reader mail uh yeah did you want to read those? <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> uh, wow. Know, let me let
1: me have my email for a second. Sorry,
2: are you, um, are you guys incredibly, incredibly popular people email is on your podcast? Questions.
1: We, we are popular. It's weird. People like our podcast. <laughs> people like us. They think we're funny. Uh, uh, so uh, we got two interesting letters that we were going to
2: Are you guys sure the sure and Dion of the podcasting world? From From Clueless. Oh. Uh, A little
1: bit. Okay, so Jess wrote in. uh, Whoa, I uh, think you're breaking up. You're cutting Um, out. out. (laughs) don't? I think we're both kind of breaking up. Do you want to hang up and call back? Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll call you again. I wasn't sure if she was, like, looking for a thing or... Okay, let's see. Hello? Hello. Okay. This is better?
1: Yes. yes. Great. Yeah, this sometimes happens when I talk to people from Europe. It's just, like, the distance, yeah. servers, whatever. Okay, so I'll start again from the top of okay. opening up this email now that I actually have it open. I was going to do the Octopath one... And then briefly the fashion one. Okay. Um, yeah, cool. So just writes in to talk about the Project Octopath demo on Switch, which I played a little bit of. Um, it's a beautiful looking game. It's from the developers of Giri really Default, which is a game that I really really enjoy. But it's it's uh, it's got some shit going on. So she writes, The Denamo has two playable characters, a man and a woman, Primrose. I started Primrose's storyline and it turned it off in disgust a few minutes later. She's a dancer in a skimpy, albeit pixelated clothes, catfighting with the dances and sucking up to a master. Her main attack is Allure. From what I heard, later on she breaks out of this role and becomes more kick-ass, but I still had a problem with the whole setup. To me, the game is reinforcing the woman as sexual object joke. Even even if Primrose escapes that fate, her coworkers presumably don't. The default state for these women is still sex objects, and the only exceptional, only the exceptional girl, quote, earns being treated differently. I certainly don't want my preteen boys influenced by this kind of dribble. Um, she left a comment about it in one of our articles, actually. But I I played some of... The, I, I had this, the same experience, actually, with the Project Afterpath demo, which was really disappointing because I really like the developers and I love the art style. But what really bothered me is just... Uh, like, there's a way to write a narrative of uh, sex work. Basically, what happens to Primos is her father dies, who's a presumable, and she has to join this troop of dancing girls. And you have to spend, before you get to play any of the game, you have to spend, like, an incredibly long time watching her be abused by what is implied to be her pimp. And it's, like, very upsetting to watch, and it made me not want to play the rest of the game. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, like the sort of a sexy dancer allure thing, like bothers me a little bit less just because it happens so much in JRPGs, but it's like I,
0: Yeah, it's like if this in is some the games first it's a literal you're giving me. Yeah, yeah. in some games it's a literal um class, right? Being a dancer. Yeah, yeah exactly. Isn't that yeah. kind of weird uh,
2: just, that people I just wondered that isn't it kind of weird that people think that sexy is like like a like uh something that a woman is all the time hmm. like i i put yeah. on sexy clothes to, for maybe a couple hours to go out you know like mm-hmm. it's i don't know i always <laughs> it's so weird that they think that it's like a personality mm-hmm. sexy is a personality a, a way
0: yeah. of being perpetually yeah
2: hmm.
0: yeah or just
1: like um, in this story about a sex worker being abused that's just like literally her entire life is being abused and, yeah, she, like, in this uh, set-up scene for Primrose, she also, like, is um, abused by the other women in this sexy dancing group, And it's just felt like another thing. It goes back to the topic we are talking about, which, like, it just doesn't feel like how it would be, hmm. you know? If, like, they're all, like, being abused by, like, like, this really shitty guy, the women would probably band together because it sucks. The situation they are in is bad, and they need to have comfort from wherever they can take it. And, yeah, it's, um... It's not, it's, it was a weird choice, I think, for me, to, for them okay. to open up with this character in this way.
0: So something that strikes me about this is that like, it's so easy for people to be like, but these are potentially real situations, blah, blah, blah. Like, What do you mean you can't write people in these situations? And I think it's less... For me, it's less about the situation that it is the frequency that in which like, women are portrayed in very specific Roles like I think about uh, in, in Dragon Age uh, Origins. If you start off as a, a female elf, it's like heavily implied that you're like abused and like about to be raped. And it's just like the frequency in which, yeah, uh, in which uh, women are put into these very specific roles is more the problem than the roles themselves. I feel like, yeah, there's nothing I'm inherently welcome, wrong. I like, a
1: really good story about, like, a sex worker in a JRPG. I would I would welcome, like, a well-written story about that, but you have to ask the question, like, why is Dancer a class in so many JRPGs? And, like, mm. that sexiness imbued in so many characters and it's, you know, also, like, like, why just so many origin stories involve abuse?
2: Also, I, I really want to play a sex worker character, or even write a sex worker character, who just, like, sits at home in her sweats, uh-huh. like, boiling dildos all yep. day. I'm like, (laughs) I'm just like, it's just her mundane life. And it's like maybe, you know, a couple hours a day she's at work, but Mm -hmm. it's like the rest of her life is just like her life where she's like going to get a sandwich, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I always feel like the reason that people include sex workers in video games is so they, they can see these people be sexy all the time. And it's like, no. I, or or be abused. Or be abused. Or you mm-hmm. know, like, and I actually feel like some people choose to be sex workers because it's work. Everyone mm-hmm. has to go to work, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like yeah. I don't know. I just always feel like it's just this like titillation in video games, where actually it's or a job or misery porn. Or yes. misery porn. It's just, yeah. it's a job. It's a job. And you can have joy in all areas of life. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like. Fucking misery all the time, and it doesn't have to be like you know, you know, most people go to administration jobs that make them miserable, but they have happiness in their lives. I don't mm-hmm. know, it just seems, I mean, obviously, yeah. sex like, workers with are rose,
1: it, like it really seemed like they're trying to contrive a situation for her to be sexy, but also for it to be tragic that she was sexy. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, like it's really weird thing, like a weird. I didn't didn't know how I was supposed to feel about her situation because yeah, it sucks that her dad was murdered and she's out. Well, it's implied that she's like out on a roaring rampage of revenge, which I am incredibly ready for. But why did she have to become an abused sex worker in between?
2: I know. I mean, I'm, I I, I think that sex workers are often exposed to more violence. But like, I I don't know. I just I often feel like you're not you're not portraying like a complex person. You're just portraying like a
1: sexualized
2: image for the sake of yeah, it. Yeah,
1: you know. There, it's nothing, there's, I mean, I agree completely with everything you said, there's nothing wrong with sex work, sex work is a job, a, a lot of people are sex workers, it's not going to stop happening. But in narrative, it's often used in this way to add more sadness on top of a sad situation when it's not, like, necessary. It's like, not it, The implication sad. here is where we're not going to feel bad for primos for having a murdered dad. Right. So we have to make it extra bad. And that's just, like, can we not relate to women until they are literally being abused in front of us? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, you know, I think a lot of the time people are scared if they portray a woman as being, like, an arrogant woman or a narcissistic woman, for example, that they're going to make them unlikable. But that's not necessarily the truth. Like, as you just said, we were discussing clueless before. Like, clueless is, is... Everyone in that is undoubtedly extremely narcissistic. But it's really funny and interesting and complex and emotional in lots of ways that I think that men think that women can't be.
0: So I think what we keep coming towards is that the sense that the only way in which a man might care about a woman in a video game is the sense that he is saving her or like, or taking her out of a bad situation. Like, yes, we don't always have games now in which there's a, Princess Peach being stolen, but it's often like, well, how does uh, Laura Croft uh, gain empowerment in the uh, reboot? Well, it's you trying to protect her from like dying in these extremely gruesome ways, and then you have like Dick, one of the creators of that game being like, I feel protective of her, and I feel like that's very indicative of how we see a lot of uh, women in games. Like They're not there to be... Their own character as much as they are there to like for you to feel like some ownership yeah. over them or to feel like you are yeah, saving men, them.
1: Men in games get to perform actions, women are acted upon mm-hmm. by yeah. the player. Like, that is sort of the relationship between female characters and players in games. Like, you're not, you're not behaving as them, you are acting upon them to protect them, which is like says a lot about how we view women's bodies as not really being their own. Um, but. Let's let's move on. I have a slightly less dip bummer email to read. Also, okay. If you wanted to end this on a high note, um, not that this wasn't a fascinating conversation, I'm just getting a little sad <laughs> about yeah, like just okay. the need of narrative narrative fiction. Um, let's see. I keep getting the same email. Sorry. Great. So we have a le- uh, an email from Peter. And he writes, First of all, love the pod so much. Thank you. I've been catching up on the episodes I missed. Inspired by your discussion of clothing in Splatoon, I was curious to know if we, you two, slash potential guests, so that's you, Kara, had a favorite piece of in game clothing, skin, emote, whatever. For me, I started really getting into Overwatch around the same time I watched Neon Genesis Evangelion for the first time. So far, as Mecha Queen skin was a perfect way to combine both worlds, and Sambra's Dancer is a. Uh, Sambra's Dance another favorite of, of mine. Um, Sambra's Dance uh, emote is like like a from a recording of Selena, the pop star dancing, Mm. which is incredible. Um, And he says, keep up the amazing work. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, this is something for me that I think about frequently, but I do want to know if either of you have, like, a particularly, like, an emote or a skin that you're fond of in in a video game.
2: Hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, because I've been making video games for a while now, I haven't really been playing very many of them, I guess. So... I'm trying to think of anything <laughs> that I've actually played recently that was great.
0: Um, oh, I don't know. You know, you might have to go first. Uh, well, yeah. we'll oh, God. It.
1: I was trying to give myself time to think. Actually, oh. no, I was playing a lot. I'm playing a lot of Destiny 2 recently because uh, it's a really fun game where you shoot a lot of things in the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, I was playing a warlock character because Kirk told me they get all the best clothes. And one of the first sort of... Uh, Quest rewards you can get in the story is this incredible gold chess piece with uh, pauldrons on the shoulders that are shaped like angel wings, and it's just incredible. And I never want to take it off. Every (laughs) time I I actually had to switch um, gear because it was no longer giving me like the stats I needed, and it made me so miserable that I couldn't just keep wearing it all the time. (laughs) So I don't know. It's one of those fantasy aspects you only see in games, and it was so just so lovely. I don't know if it's like.
2: My favorite thing ever. But what really stands out in my mind is like, when like, unusual items of clothing are worn by characters. For example, mm-hmm. in, in the original GoldenEye 64, Natalia wore a bright blue, baby blue cardigan. No one wears cardigans in video games ever. <laughs> like, isn't it weird yeah. that she, that was the last time I can remember a video game character wearing a cardigan. Isn't that nice, yeah. like a little cute little blue cardigan there? I mean, she was obviously – she got in the way a lot, and I shot her in the head by accident. But, you know, she <laughs> she's a good girl. I like her. Um, but largely speaking, I feel like cardigans have been left out of video games. Uh, the forgotten cardigan. Yeah,
1: they're an important –
2: <laughs> They're a good board of I'm items. the lost cardigan. <laughs> the lost cardigan. I'm trying. Chart- yeah, <laughs> yeah but like, neither Chloe or Nadine would ever wear a cardigan. <laughs> They're just not cardigan people. No. But yeah, they, no. They I don't have
1: to go to office events.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like come on, where are the cardigans? Come on, everyone, put that cardigan in the video game. Um, but yeah, like I, I can't remember what they've been playing. But I used to, used to love like making a particular item, like um, knitting particular items together or weaving um, in War- World of Warcraft. Like you can send stuff through the post in that, which I always thought was really great. That's so cool. But yeah,
1: um, yeah. I don't remember any game that has a mechanic where I can make clothes, craft things, craft things to wear, and then make them different colors is a game that I particularly enjoy. Yeah. I remember spending hours and hours and hours in um what's that game that was like a part crafting game, part RPG for the Nintendo three D S. And I um it, it had like a job system, but like as part of your job you had to actually make things and that you would sell and also wear. You could be a seamstress and you could make armor and you could make weapons and you could be a fisherman and shit like that. It was just like fantastic and literally all I would do in the game was make clothes. And I'm nice. just like grind to find more materials to make clothes and it was really fun
0: i think the games in which clothes are the most memorable to me aside from it from which aside from games in which fashion is the literal point like the world ends with you or splatoon even i think is probably fallout because you often it's like a mechanic in the game that like different outfits give you different uh bonuses so if you want a if you want to pass like a science check, you will suddenly just put on this a sci- uh, a scientist suit for so- and It's just like taken as normal in in that world. <laughs> but I think uh, uh, always like the thing that's always uh, struck me as like iconic in that game is that you wear the vault jumpsuits, and it's so weird when you go out into the world because it's like you're in this post-apocalypse and you're wearing these like this uniform, this like clean cut and like. Just like tighten your body, and everyone. I feel like it's immediately obvious to everyone else that you're not from there, because everyone else is like wearing all this like grimy, uh, like torn down clothes that like have obviously seen some shit. And so I, I like the way in which yeah. both it. I both I both like the design of the j- of the jumpsuit, and also like how it makes you stand apart from everyone else, because you literally are not like anyone else in the game.
2: This is like going to be like the most. Yeah, Kara answer or mm-hmm. question ever but is nudity an option <laughs> because I I very much enjoy shirtless Geralt uh, <laughs> that is one of my favorite oh, scenes. Oh I, l- I love
0: dressing up Geralt because it, it seems like he would be so grumpy to, yes. like, to ever change his clothes one at all. One of the
2: finest scenes in the last game mm-hmm. was one where he was in the bath remember oh, and yeah. then you're asked to oh, yes. uh, like shave off your beard. I think He oh, shaves yeah. off your beard, and then you're asked to choose an outfit mm-hmm. for this like posh reception. Yeah, and um, and it's interesting because it's a character moment. It's basically entirely narrative. It's basically the game showing you what type of person Geralt is in like rich surroundings, and he's just mm-hmm. not comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because the idea of putting on. A suit, for example, when you're not a suit guy, is Mm -hmm. a super interesting thing for me. Costume is, like, something that has to say something about that character. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, Geralt putting on a suit is inherently interesting for him.
0: I think, like, almost all of it is... All of his customization is really interesting to me. Because, like, even the beard shaving feels, like, weirdly intimate. Like... It's it's nothing if you can just change your look in a lot of different games, but I feel like I'm always coming up against like how would Gerald actually feel about me cutting off his beard? Because like it's almost it, it's a mechanic in the game that like the more time passes, the more grisly your beard becomes. And I also remember one one of the other standout moments for me in that game was uh, you're going to some sort of banquet or some, or some party with uh, your love interest whose name eludes me right now. And she wants Tris? you. To, no, the other one.
2: The oh. other one. God, what's the other one called? I'm sorry. Jennifer.
0: Yes, Jennifer. Jennifer. Yes. And like, yes, yes. she wants you to dress up, and you're like all grumpy about it, but you'll do it. And she kind of like ribs at you that like you have to wear the leather whatever's, and you're just like, oh, fine, I'll do it. Like, and it's just like, it's it's kind of hard to explain, but just the mere act of changing clothes in that game is really affecting have you ever
2: attempted to shave a man's beard for him no because that is firstly, no that
1: sounds terrifying it is
2: terrifying because firstly people's faces are obviously very important to them mm-hmm. and if you like shave off their skin uh, <laughs> on their face that's probably pretty bad (laughs) um it's a it's definitely a a, an emergency room situation
0: well that's kind of what it okay so uh, maybe that's why shaving gerald's beard stood out to me because it just felt like weirdly intimate
2: that's what i mean is it's a very very intimate thing to do for someone Mm -hmm. and it's also like i've had a boyfriend before shave my legs -hmm. Because he thought that it would be like an interesting, intimate thing to do, and it was. It was like weird. Like I was like, (laughs) "Wow, you're like, you know, like it's it's weird," because it's very like there's some danger involved Mm -hmm. in that thing, and I definitely feel like in a video game that'd be super interesting. So you're saying you want someone
0: weird for them, Naughty Dog? If you're listening to this, Chloe and Nadine obviously should have shaved each other's (laughs) legs.
2: My goodness, why was I not in the narrative team? <laughs> but yeah, I know no, they would have been like they would have glared me down like Hara, please get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> but like, why are we paying you? But uh like I, I definitely feel like that's an interesting thing for me. And I think that's why the choosing the costume thing was also felt weirdly intimate for a girl because it's also like a question of like what he puts on his body and like also quite sort of like it defines you as a person when someone looks at you Mm -hmm. so I think I think that's an interesting thing for me is like I think there's a lot of narrative mileage in costume and um what you how you dress yourself
0: and I guess the reason that that works so well is because the writing outside of it was like so like good that even small moments like that could take on so, so much meaning. Like, that would not have worked unless they have written Geralt in a very specific way.
2: I know! I mean, I just want to talk about the fact that Geralt's... Uh, like, he's just written so well, I think that they... It's one of the best written games in our industry is just how complex and interesting yeah. he is. One um, of the
1: things that is, like, really interesting about how they portray Geralt, it sort of reminds me of how um, in the guest you're really encouraged to see this uh, really hot guy that comes into this family through the eyes of the teenage daughter who's the main character. And to the point where, like, the movie shamelessly sexualizes this man and, like, really makes sure that you also feel attracted to him. Mm -hmm. And there's something... It's not quite that with Geralt. Like, it's not, like, trying to make him into like, a, a sexy man you want to have sex no, with. No, but it kind of does, It
0: does. Like, it sexualizes him. Yeah, I, and I'm always curious how men feel about this, because he's, like, taken as this, like, man's man, but also I feel like the game sexualizes him, and I wonder how it I needs think, to be a guy I think to, they're like,
2: trying to be, like, Geralt is possibly bisexual. I, I, hmm. I think that they're trying to say... To like, every, who wouldn't meet Geralt and be like, he's a great guy,
0: you know? Like, <laughs> come on, who wouldn't meet
2: him and be like, yeah, I'd, I'd take him home, you know? He he should have a cup of tea with me, you know? Like, I don't know, I just feel like he is a he's just amazing, like everyone loves him kind of guy. But also, like, what's really interesting to me is like, I remember, like, I think it's in The Witcher two. Um, he starts off shirtless, I think, in one of the earlier levels. And he's been tortured or something, and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of scars all over his back because Mm -hmm. you can see those scars, and like the camera is poised over his shoulders, Mm -hmm. and it really objectifies. It like
0: lingers on him. It it
2: basically sits on those like kind of tortured shoulders, and you're kind of a bit like, wow, like you know, I would love for him to scoop me up and take me away, kind of thing.
0: Um, So yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, but what were you saying, Nina? That you.
1: I just, like, there's also something in the way that it portrays a girl, like, not just as sexualized, but, like, as someone uh, that you are not meant to feel at, like, it's not, like, an empowerment fantasy playing right. a girl, right? It's, like, it's a lesson in empathy. It's, like, look at this man who's having a really hard time. Like, please empathize with how hard of a time he's having and how hard his life is. Isn't he, but like, not, it isn't ever asking you to feel powerful
2: in the body of a girl. Isn't he old? Yeah. like he's like quite an like he yeah. lives forever or something like that like and also like one of the interesting yeah. aspects of him is that he is um he's not he's he's um sterile mm-hmm. so like he can't have children but he also can't get you pregnant mm-hmm. so there's this kind of weird yeah. fantasy <laughs> you can have by him where you're like i mean he's probably full of venereal disease or whatever but um I don't know. That that that's not true. Let's not say that about Geralt. He's definitely he's not an STI <laughs> carrier. But um, I don't know. I just I I feel like they they put these aspects of sexuality in him that which are very interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Um. Just let's. In, in, uh, we in talked, short, we talked about Geralt a lot. Yeah.
0: In short, we want to fuck Geralt. All right. What's <laughs> what's our review for the week?
1: Yeah, so we got a bunch of super great reviews after we mentioned review bombings uh, on the show. Big surprise. Um, uh, we got one from one Daniel Riendo, but I'm not going to read that one. Uh, <laughs> I liked this review from Swag Dog Trillionaire, which is a great, great username. Um, and it's uh, the title is Kotaku's Best Five Star Review. Fave this is without question some of the best content Kotaku has produced. Excellent perspectives on games and fandom, uh, fandom culture. P.S. Glad to see Gita back at it again with the Oscar nominated podcast. And you're 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 welcome, Swag Dog Trillionaire. You're welcome. Um, and I think that's that's it for us. Please leave us reviews. It really does help with visibility. The more reviews we have, even if they're negative, it's going to help people find our podcast. Uh, so we're on uh, iTunes, we are on Stitcher, we are on Google Play Music as well, if you are an Android user. Um, and this, you can find my work and Patricia's work at kataki.com. Uh Kara, where in the world can we find, oh my God, this call ended. <laughs>